Welcome to Season 2 of the Practicing Presence Podcast, where spiritual formation is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. What's going on, practitioners? What's up, friends? How we doing? Uh, so, we have been talking about the Bible. Um, and how to approach the Bible, um, because reading scripture is a spiritual discipline that is very important, but one that is also very difficult for a lot of people. Um, and so we've kind of been talking about this, but one reason that I've noticed to be a struggle for me, and I've also had other people share in this struggle. Um, sometimes when you read the Bible, you feel stupid. Um, that that ain't hard to accomplish when you're reading the Bible to feel stupid. Um, at least ignorant. Yeah, maybe it, not. Maybe not stupid, but, but in the true definition of the word, ignorant. Yeah. Like there's just so much. Yeah, because you're literally reading an ancient book. Yeah. that has a lot of presuppositions that right. the modern reader just does not know. Yeah, um, and so it's it's really hard um, for the normal person to read the Bible. Um, this is why I say all the time, just if, read it like a story. Well, no, this is why I say all the time. I do say that too, yeah. but this is why I say all the time. If Paul would have known that his crap was going to be oh. uh, canonized, I think he probably would have wrote different. Mm? Like, you know, I think he might use some more universal language. <laughs> like, yeah, I think, uh, I think there'd be a lot of things he'd do different. I agree. Um, however, this element of, feeling ignorant and i actually use the word stupid intentionally Um, okay because i feel like a lot of feeling stupid when approaching scripture comes from elements of religious trauma um it does having i hear this a lot on instagram having this one person dictate how you were supposed to read scripture, all of, most of, part of your life, whatever, having this one voice who you are damn near worshiping control the entire narrative, and if you step out of that just a little bit, just hail fire and brimstone. So you learn not to question status quo, you learn not to read and think for yourself. So when you're given the freedom to read and think for yourself, you don't know what to do. And if you start asking, start looking, you're going to get all of the opinions and all of the thoughts until you just shut down because you're like, no, mm, I now feel stupid because these people made me feel stupid. Uh logical progression you see this oh and this is a very common story yeah i hear this from most people 
that's where I'm at most of the time. Uh, I hear this from most people. I mean, because it's very rare that someone... It's very rare that someone can just decide for themselves that they're a strong, independent person and they yeah. are capable of interpreting this and has the willpower to like go and do research to try to come up with good answers uh, or answers that are sufficient for them and their worldview. What ends up happening is exactly what you said. You could not have described the progression any better. Exactly. And so when you're in this place and, and and remember it's all masked in the sacredness of this book and masking it in the sacredness of, of the book being that the book reveals an all powerful, supreme and fearful God. Right. As yeah. you said, hellfire and brimstone. Yeah. It makes sense why people are afraid to, do it to mess it up right the book of revelation says damn anyone who add or take away from this book mm-hmm. um which which uh timothy epistle is it that um the the god breathing that's timothy one that's first timothy yeah, yeah. or first timothy i was three. looking first timothy three. first timothy three that's what i was looking for just now um that right there seems to be a basis for a lot of this like hailfire and brimstone stuff. Well, it's um, a basis. Yeah, go ahead. For like in my experience, like this is I am presenting to you God's God's word and my interpretation is the only right one. So if you step out of this, you are now denying God's word. Correct. Um I was wrong. It must be in Second Timothy. Yep. Second, Second Timothy, Timothy three. three. Sorry. Yep. It's in Second I Timothy. I was wondering if it was in Second Timothy. Okay. Um, cool. What What happens is they use Second Timothy three to weaponize the Bible. Mm-hmm. Remember, I've already made it into this mongrel right. that can't be wrangled. Yeah. Right. And so now I use 2 Timothy 3 to weaponize it so that you believe what I say about it. Right. And here's what 2 Timothy 3.16 says. Well, let me just read the whole thing, not the whole chapter, but beginning in verse 10. Uh, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy who is pastoring a church. Now you observe my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and my suffering, the things that have happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Indeed, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But wicked people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived. But as as for you... Continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it. Me. Mm. That's what Paul's saying, right? Or the author. Yeah. <laughs> Attaboy. Attaboy. Um, and from how childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
Verse 16, all scripture is inspired or God breathed. That's a made up word. Mm -hmm. The author of this book, the author of this letter made that word up. It's a conjunction of the word for breath and God. Mm -hmm. God is theos. Pneuma is breath, wind, or spirit. And is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient and equipped for every good work. Yeah. How often did you ever hear verse 17 read, Clayton? Very rarely. Ah, because it's not actually about the good work. Yeah. It's about the way in which I can weaponize these people mm -hmm. or weaponize this book for these people. Yep. Um, weaponize this book to enslave these people. Yeah. Yeah. That, all of it. And so it becomes this boogeyman. But yet we also mask it in this facade of like, oh, but you have the Holy Spirit. And so we want you to read your Bible. We actually want you to read it for an hour every day. And if you can't live up to it, you're actually not a great Christian. And if you have questions about it, you're picking we, up garbage in heaven. <laughs> that's right. And if and if you don't, you you be a dumpster. You be a, a garbage, garbage truck. Man. Yeah, a garbage worker in in heaven. Yeah. Um, and if you can't live up to it, you know you're just going to be less than. Um, and oh, by the way, and if you ask questions about it, once you start reading it and reading it critically, we're going to shun you. Like, like, why should, why do you think it's okay for you to ask why women can't do things in the church? That's not an acceptable question for you to ask. Yeah. But wait, I saw, you know, Phoebe. I saw Chloe. I saw. Lydia. I saw, yeah, Lydia. I saw Priscilla, mm -hmm. an, an apostle. She corrected Apollos, right? Um. You can't ask those questions because, you know, this one-off statement. Yeah. The religious trauma element of, like, reading the Bible, I want to acknowledge. That is very real. And it yeah. is far too real a story for too many people. This book, I think it's got a lot of problems, if I can just be honest. It, it communicates a lot of very heinous things. Um, it also communicates some really great things. And I think those great things have been masked by a very poor reading of this book for a very long time. And that poor reading of this book weaponized this book against mass amounts of people, specifically black people and women and anyone that's the societal other of the modern world. Um, and so I want to acknowledge that. Absolutely. I understand that there's like religious trauma elements of trying to approach the Bible again. Um, but that's because you're still approaching it as an oppressed person. Yeah. You have to liberate yourself. You have to embrace the divinity within yourself. That it's that divinity that's connecting you to the divinity and the sacredness of this text. Um, that's why I don't like really want to tell people how to interpret the Bible. I want to give them tools for interpreting it. Like I want to help them shape it about reading it as a story and understanding some of the ancient cultural elements. But realistically, if I believe that the Holy spirit is active in every person as being made in the image and likeness of God. Um, and if they open this book, they want to pursue divinity. Um, 
the divinity within them is going to point them to divinity in this book. I don't have to be the one that tells them what's the only divinity they can pull from this book, that they can glean from this book. But you have to approach it as a liberated person. You have to approach it as the divinity in me is capable of this because it's the same divinity that's in this book, the same God-inspired text, the same God-breathed text for whatever that means. Um, that's the same divinity that's in me. I'm somehow connected to this book through divinity. This is like a part of me because the same God that made me made this and the same God that lives and breathes in me lives and breathes in this. You see, that's the beauty of, if you've listened to any of these, uh, this series thus far, you've probably heard me say that this book being God breathed doesn't mean for me it's perfect. Like, first of all, I think that's a stupid assumption to make. Yeah. Um, the first time we saw God breathe into something was in Genesis 1, or sorry, 2, and then in chapter 3, they sin. They do the one thing God told them not to do. So why does God breathing into something automatically make it perfect and without error? That's the yeah. stupidest logic I've ever heard in my life. Um, if you, and that's just reading from its own story, right? So I don't think it means that. But what I do think it means is that in the same way that God has breathed into me, breathed a life and liberation and experiences of goodness into me, that God has breathed those things into this book. And the experience of human flourishing can be found in this book. And if it can be found here, and God has breathed into this book, then it means that God must also breathe out of this book. And if yeah. we're going to use a breath metaphor, let me carry it for you. Clayton, you are a human being, yes. correct? You're not a clone or some like weird person, right? As far as you know. Yeah. <laughs> I have known you literally your entire life. Who knows? I they think you're think pretty good. Eminem is dead and he's replaced with a clone. Maybe so. Maybe so. I don't know. Go ahead. Um, what do you breathe in? Oxygen. Okay. And what do you breathe out? Carbon dioxide. Okay. And how do we get oxygen in the planet? Um, from the planet itself. Okay. Um, but we, you also do, I mean, we have global warming, climate mm. change, and things like that. And- this planet's been existing for mm. millions of years. Yep. Um, or billions of years, rather, should I say. And so if it's been existing for billions of years, there have been a lot of people breathing in and out of this planet, mm -hmm. creating lots of CO2. Correct. How does that CO2 get made into O2? Uh, it goes through a... a photosynthesis process. Not photosynthesis. Yeah, it is photosynthesis, isn't it? I don't yeah. remember the biological term, remember. but you are correct. Yeah. And what does that? Plants. Mm. Your plant. You are in reciprocity with the divinity in this book because of the divinity within yourself. As you breathe out, it breathes in what you breathe out, and what it breathes out, you breathe in. Mm. That is a great way to view that. Your reciprocity of breath, my man. I've been using that metaphor for a long time. Mm. How have you never heard that? 
I've never heard that. I use that metaphor all the time. It's literally God breathe. Like, why would yeah. we not think about, yeah, like how to continue the breath metaphor? What you breathe into scripture, it breathes out and you breathe in. Yeah, it's the reciprocity of the breath, man. In the same way that we need oxygen to continue to exist in this world, but yet we breathe out this new chemical because we've received the oxygen that we need and we're giving off what we don't need. Something has to take that or what we don't need. The corruption, the defilement, the brokenness would simply take over the world. Yeah. Right? And so how do you get oxygen back? Well, God made plants. And plants, remember, Plato's tripartite soul, plants are a living thing because they breathe. They're a part of divinity. And so that plant just so happens to breathe in the thing that we let out, CO2, and when it goes through its body, it releases O2, the thing that we need again, this beautiful reciprocity. If you liberate yourself to the divinity that's within you. And like, if we want to talk about divinity, we're talking about biblically, we're talking about the spirit that's within you. If it's the spirit that's within you, then spirit in Greek or Hebrew, pneuma in Greek, ruach in, in Hebrew, it means one of three main glosses. Do you remember what they are, Clayton? No. Spirit, wind, or breath. That's everything all the time. The divinity, the spirit, the breath, the presence, the wind in you is being empowered from the thing that this breathes or blows or spiritualizes out. You need what this book puts out if you continue the metaphor, right? Now, the only way that metaphor works is if you understand that you, the individual person, breathes on your own and you don't trust where that oxygen came from. You just accept that oxygen exists in the world. And you don't necessarily, what you get to pick is what area of the world you occupy the oxygen in. But you don't get to pick what plants are around it giving off that oxygen. Mm -hmm. It's not a luxury you have. Yeah. In the same way, not every piece of this may give off the same level of oxygen that other parts of the world do, but every bit of it is going to be breathing out because God has breathed in. Mm. But you have to approach it as this is the atmosphere in which I am a person that is liberated and the divinity in me is allowed to live here and make my own claims and breathe this life. You have to be comfortable in your own skin. You have to be comfortable in your own divinity to say that this is for me and the divinity in me is going to lead me in the divinity in this. That what I need, this book will give me. In reciprocity. But nobody breathes for you unless something is catastrophically wrong. Yeah. You have to breathe on your own. Yeah. What's hard is when you breathe on your own and people are telling you you're breathing wrong. It is true. And that's the religious trauma piece. Yeah. Um, nobody around here is going to tell you that. Unless yeah. you're trying to say. Nobody that at Wellhouse is going to tell you that. Unless you're saying violence is the answer, yeah. nobody around here is going to tell you that. 
Violence and oppression are about the only thing that we're going to go, yeah. nah, that, you on your bullshit. Um, other than that, around here, you're going to have the freedom yeah. to kind of believe whatever divinity in you is telling you to believe. Yeah. Um, where do, I say it all the time. My job is not to be the guardian of doctrine. My guardian is to be, my, my job is to be the guide to spiritual healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just trying to do that and do that well. And the way that I think that you can best do that in light of the religious trauma related to reading the Bible is you as a person need to feel liberated as divinity. You need to be, you need to believe that you are a person made in the image and likeness of God. And that that means that you house divinity, that God is literally in and a part of your entire being. And if God is a part of your entire being, then this book was made for you it was not written to you you won't understand all the lingo there will be questions you have and you can absolutely reach out to me instagram and emails you can reach out to clayton whatever you want to do instagram Um, email all that you will not understand all of this because it wasn't written to you that's right but it was written for you and I do believe that it is God breathed. I do believe that God breathed into this book and that there are claims about God and a revelation of God in this book. Um, and that's why it was written for you. You get to glean those things. And as you breathe in what it has to breathe out, perhaps that's healing. Thanks for listening to the Practicing Presence podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.